Mozart today in the WQXR Cafe from the Pacifica Quartet and uh, Metropolitan Opera clarinetist Anthony McGill. They've been here to play a little Mozart for us today during our, our month of Mozart. Anthony, what is Mozart? He's a really significant clarinet composer. It was an instrument he loved. He didn't have it all the time. didn't have them in Salzburg. Some of the orchestras didn't have them. What does he know about the clarinet that other composers maybe should learn sometime <laughs> about the clarinet? Well, I mean, he kind of captures like the the best parts of I don't I don't know you know Mozart was a genius so I'm not sure exactly what he knew about it that I don't but he knew a lot more about it than I did. Anyway, the way he captures the the overtones you know and the the sweetest part of the instrument is like better than any other composer. I mean, it's like the part of the instrument that sounds like the human voice. That's the part that he he zeroes in on and uses like to the best of his abilities. It's pretty amazing. And not just when he's writing solo parts, but when he's writing parts in an orchestral work as well or in an opera yeah exactly uh you know i think he just was a master of instrumentation generally but the timbre of the clarinet specifically is very um vocal and beautiful masumi how do you get to the place where you need to go to be ready to play mozart as opposed to where you need to go to play shostakovich or dvorak or beethoven Wow, um, that's actually a very difficult question. Uh, I think. Would you like an easier one? We can. We <laughs> yeah, can, I, I play on. viola. Come on! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Did you just go there? Uh, uh, uh. This is one of those moments when I'm really glad we're running a recorder. That's, that's terrific. All right, I, just, I, I went on record saying that. Wow! I okay. forgot that we're interviewing a violist, so I'll I'll start. What color is your shirt? <laughs> we'll just work up from there. That's awesome. Um, well, I, I think in, in terms of, of Mozart, it's in a way it's or with any composer, it's kind of immersion. It's it's how much of that composer's music that you you can get to know and how much you can uh, work on and delve into. And I think that can inform your interpretation, how you how you read the score, how you how you understand their timing, things like their dynamic markings. And for Mozart, I think like when he writes piano, it's in a very vocal way, forte, mezzo forte. It's not just a volume indication, for example. It's 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 a vocal indication. He's almost always singing. Yes, exactly. In a way. Yeah. Vocalists talk about about Mozart as being very exposed. You can't hide when you sing Mozart. I wonder if that's true of his instrumental works of his string quartets and other works for chamber music. Yeah, you can never hide. And, and actually, what, what's very interesting is that, um, you know, they're always telling us string players and, and, you know, instrumentalists that you should, you should when you're playing Mozart, you know, chamber music, you should sound like you're, you're emulating the opera, you know, Mozart opera. And, and apparently, they're, they're, you know, all Mozart opera is like chamber music, right? <laughs> <laughs> Get all the singers together. It's all quartets and trios and quintets. Today's you know. exercise in tautology. Anthony, Mozart mm-hmm. clarinet quintet, Brahms clarinet quintet. Oh gosh, um, but they both look backwards. I think in time, kind of, there are these moments where you're, you know, pondering the love lost in your life, and et cetera, et cetera. But I would say that there is a kind of pure sweetness in the Mozart quintet that is a little bit more sultry and fiery in the Brahms Quintet. There's more fire in the Brahms, more kind of passion, and even at times anger in the Brahms than the Mozart. The Mozart, you don't hear a kind of looking back, a kind of nostalgia that reflects upon as much tragedy somehow as the Brahms. 
And I think that there, there's a lot more innocence and actually sincerity in the Mozart. In Mozart, you know, in his operas, et cetera, you can see, hear his com- comedic side, right? There's a little bit of that in the quintet, but it is, I think, one of the kind of most sincere pieces that he ever wrote. It's, it's somehow, it has its lightness and it has its fluffy character in some of the movements, but especially in the, in the second movement, which we played, there's a truth there. There's like a real truth. It's like he's being honest. He's showing his true self. You know, not the kind of the double-sided character on, in the on the stage. You know, <laughs> like in the shadow. It's not a shadowed character. It's an actual pure character. I think. What are the traps in putting these two works together, the Brahms and the and the Mozart? And and when you worked on them for the recording, what were your discussions around those those challenges? I guess it, in in the Mozart, it's just about capturing that that quality, um, like what Anthony was talking about this this kind of purity and this this singing sweetness. But it's from that perspective, getting that whole range of emotions and maintaining that perspective throughout. And I think that's kind of a difficult thing for for actually any Mozart work. It's hard to play with that kind of simple perfection. Perfection is maybe not the right word, but it's something that we're always striving for. You know, we're always striving for something that's maybe just a little bit unattainable. In the Brahms, you, you know, I mean, so much of Brahms is is about that that well of feeling, but um, he's got so much repression at the same time too. You know, like his his poco forte markings and you know things like this. He's always got a modifier that that you know so that indicates you know forte. It's you know very strong, but then poco a little very strong. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to a, you can't get a straight answer from him in a way. Yeah, and so so you're, you're you're kind of dealing with this kind of internal conflict always, and that's a very different bent. I'm assuming next year is the Pacifica's twentieth anniversary. I think right. You guys have anything yeah, special right. planned? I mean a cake. I mean a champagne and a cake. But <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna jump out of the cake, but <laughs> I guess cool. the secrets out now. Another another violist <laughs> special. Um, in terms of twenty years, yeah, I mean that's it's really quite a, you know a long time. I've um, I'm actually not an original member. I'm the I, I joined in two thousand one, so we're now actually you know among among one of the older <laughs> string quartets touring now. With uh, but you you're know. there for the party. So I'm there for the party. So so can you tell us about the party? Um, as part of our twentieth anniversary, we've got a few commissions coming up. Um, Shulamit Ron, who's a composer at University of Chicago, is writing us a, a string quartet, and we've had a long relationship with her as we've been in residence at the University of Chicago for well since nineteen ninety nine. Um, so we're really excited about that piece. Julia Wolf is writing us a piece as well, which we're going to be performing with Johannes Moser. Uh, it's a, a parallel to the Schubert Quintet. So, yeah, we have a few commissions on the table, and I, I think that's kind of part of our celebratory process. Um, this string quartet that, that Chulamit Ron has been writing for us is part of uh, is going to be commissioned by the Musical Accord, and that's a uh, commissioning organization but of many presenters, and we're going to be playing it in a whole slew of cities, and they're also going to be collaborating with the Wigmore Hall in London and uh, Suntory Hall in Tokyo. Very exciting. You're touring a lot this season with Marc-Andre Hamlin, Ornstein Piano Quintet at Zankel. Where did this piece come from? Did, um, he, did Hamlin bring it to you? Yeah, actually, he did bring it to us, and it's you know it's been a treat playing this piece. Um, so the the Ornstein Piano Quintet was written in 1927, and it basically hasn't really been played very much since. Um, there have been a few performances, but 
it's an undiscovered gem. I mean, it's a really great piece. But it's gnarly. It's Ooh. gnarly. It's it's about forty minutes in length, and it's it's you know, bristling with energy. I mean, it's uh, it's. I mean, he starts the, the first movement with Allegro Barbaro. I mean, it's like you know, it's, it's like this in, in, intense you know energy. It's, it's like walking by a bar and a st- the fight just comes out through the door. And <laughs> exactly, you're in the middle of it. That's right. That's right. That happens to me very often. I don't know. <laughs> We're yeah. learning a lot about you today. This is very, very informative. This conversation, Anthony. When you when you meet a chamber group, especially a long established chamber group, do you feel like a fifth wheel, or how do you? How long does it take? To get in, to get into this, to have them expand that four-pointed square and turn it into a pentagon, where you're a, absolutely a strong fifth member. What's kind of funny about that is, especially with the string quartet, is that most of the time you're like really welcome because they spend a lot of time with each other, <laughs> and so when you're in the middle of it, they're just everyone's so sweet and so nice. <laughs> And and you know that they fight all the time and they see each other, you know, so they're, they they struggle because they see each other all the time. You know, so it's like a welcome group. You're coming in, you're third wheel, fifth wheel, whatever it is, you're actually <laughs> the welcome member of the group. So, But every every group does have its own very specific dynamic, and it's really fascinating to be able to just feel that. And everybody has a way of playing that is very unique, very specific. I can't, you know, you, you can't really describe, you know, all of the different ways, but I just know I like them. <laughs> they have very good musical chemistry, and I think we, we work well together. I'm assuming, I'm sure you, the quartet puts on a certain kind of company face. Oh, somebody's coming over to, to play music. <laughs> no, it's fresh blood. <laughs> Another way to look at it. That's great. That's perfect. I'm sure Anthony's right. I'm sure you guys are just grateful for somebody else to talk to for just a few minutes. Um, the Pacifica Quartet left the University of Illinois. You'd been with them for uh, almost a decade, and now you're the quartet in residence at Indiana University in Bloomington. Why the change? So the opportunity came up to be at the to join the faculty of the Jacobs School of Music at Indiana University, and that's you know it, it's one of the the great music schools uh, in the world. It's actually even one of the largest as well, with seventeen hundred students. Um, but it's got a, a wonderful and, and storied past with you know faculty members in, uh, like Joseph Gingold, Menachem Pressler, um, Starker, and Georgi Shebach. I mean, it's it's also a school that hasn't really had a history of of any kind of focus in chamber music. And so we were charged basically with trying to create a culture of chamber music. And uh, it's been really exciting. And, you know, in this, this is our second year now, and we've got about um, 30 to 38 string quartets. And that's, (laughs) that's like, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And we get them together frequently for um, kind of large assembly classes. And it's just it, 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 one one thing that's very interesting for us is that you know we'll get comments from students like this is the first chance that we've had to hear other our colleagues you know because you know in an orchestra or in studio classes you might only hear a limited number but but to really hear people play in chamber music is is you know you, you get to really see what's going on and it's it's in one year the, the level of chamber music playing has gone so high I mean it's we're, we're very impressed with with the quality of the students there that's amazing thirty. 30- Thirty-five string quartets. That's yeah. like, that's like spotting a fedora in Williamsburg. You know, you just walk down the street and there's another one. Look, it's a string quartet. It's like looking for hipsters. It's just that's incredible. That's incredible to imagine. 
The Pacifica name, you weren't involved in that because you weren't in the quartet then, but it, does the name still work for you? It sounds kind of West Coasty. You feel limited by it or liberated? Does it give you a, a sense of yourselves? Yeah, well, you know, the, the quartet was formed in Los Angeles, and so hence, you know, Pacifica, there's, you know, that West Coast thing. But, you, you know, the name stuck. Within a couple of months, the quartet moved to Chicago, but it's a nice name, and we've been happy with it, you know. Um, our students like to joke that they could call us the Cornfieldica. <laughs> <laughs> Being in the Midwest, sure, you know, it's perfect. Um, but I think I think we, we've we've liked the name. That's great. And you know, it was part of that that era when when string quartets were getting you know car names, yeah, or, or actually car companies were getting string quartet names, <laughs> like Pacifica, of... Avalon. Right. Um, there were there were, there were a few more, but I, I can't remember offhand. <laughs> That's great. That's a great parlor game is yeah. names for cars. It would also be appropriate for a string quartet. Yeah. Masumi Perostad and Anthony McGill, uh, violist with the Pacifica String Quartet and clarinetist with the Metropolitan Opera and collaborators in their recent recording of Works for Clarinet and String Quartet by Mozart and Brahms. Thanks for being with us and playing in the WQXR Cafe today. Thanks. Thanks. It's been a pleasure.